When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi there, and welcome to the Syrupcast. You're listening to episode 150. We're recording this week's episode on Thursday, December 7th. The Syrupcast is a podcast devoted to fostering intelligent and sometimes funny discussion related to the Canadian tech and telecom ecosystems. I'm your host, Igor Bonifacic. Returning to the pod is Patrick Arouk. Pat, how are you? I'm tired, but I'm good, and but I'm here, and that, that's what counts because I'm reliable. That is, you are old reliable, back to old reliable status. Uh, and joining uh, this week's episode are also Mobile Syrup contributors, Brad Shankar and Dean Daly. How are you two? Good. Thank you for having us. Yeah, I'm great. Thanks. Uh, it's great to have you guys back. Uh, so you might have turned into this week's episode expecting us to talk about, among other things, Bell attempting to end net neutrality in Canada, or perhaps the Qualcomm uh, Snapdragon 845. However, none of us are experts on those things, so we're not going to talk about that. Just kidding. We'll probably talk about that at some point next week. Uh, but instead, we, you know, with Rose in Hawaii, uh, and I assume Samir locked away in uh, um, uh, La La Land screening. He, he, uh, he's locked in a room doing interviews, as he often is. As he often is, yes. Uh, is he leave. interviewing Ryan Gosling? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He, he um, he's asking Ryan Gosling how he feels about uh, net neutrality. Wonderful. That is exactly what I was hoping he was up to. Anyway, so instead of talking those things, we'll get to them um, probably next week. Um, we wanted to talk about a topic that's kind of near and dear to all our hearts here, um, and that is gaming. And so with the end of the year coming up and you know, kind of a lull in the news cycle, uh, we decided to, you know, we often have at our office just like conversations about what our favorite games are, which games suck. Um, if you know Patrick really well, you know he thinks uh, somewhat paradoxically that Bioshock Infinite is both the best game ever made and also the worst game ever made. Just, just um, don't Google, don't Google that. My name and Bioshock Infinite beside it. Totally. Everyone, go Google that. Yeah, go Google that, um, and then make sure to troll him about it on Twitter, um, and he'll tell you the story behind that game. Anyway, so in the spirit of that, we wanted to just kind of take a look back at the year that was and really just talk about our favorite games, our, the ones that we uh, found really surprising, the ones that kind of maybe even disappointed us. Um, is there anyone who would uh, like to start or volunteer? I can, I, I can start. Um, okay. So... My favorite game of the year was uh, Breath of the Wild, which probably doesn't come as a surprise to anyone who knows me. Um, or who a, has listened to this. Or who has listened to this. I've probably mentioned yeah. it a bunch of times uh, on the podcast, even though we're talking about other things. Um, yeah, I, I really liked the game. I thought it was probably the best example of Nintendo modernizing one of their franchises in a way that makes sense. Um, the climbing mechanics were incredible. Uh, the the smaller sort of dungeons that were bite sized and able to be used very 
easily and, and, and not used, but like moved through very easily. Um, I thought those were great. My favorite thing about the game, though, was the discovery aspect of it. And I think I've probably told you this story uh, before, Igor. Um, I kind of experienced the game in a unique way because I was lucky enough to get an early copy. So I didn't see any memes on the internet. I didn't see any tweets about the game. I wasn't able to look up any guides. Um, so I was really left to my own devices in terms of figuring stuff out. And there's one instance where I was just wandering around um, the game's world and I came to a beach and there was a boat at the beach. I couldn't figure out how to use the boat because there's no uh, guides or anything to look up of how to do it. I later learned that you use like a leaf to make them move, but um, that's another story. So I, I swam to this island just I, on, on a whim. I didn't know what was there. I didn't even know if the island was actually something you could physically go to. I thought maybe it was just part of like the backdrop of the game. Um, but I got to that island and all of my armor and equipment was gone and I was left uh, running around in my underwear. Um, so it's this sort of specific challenge uh, on this island called Eventide Island where you you don't have any, um, any equipment and you're left to kind of your own uh, devices to solve various puzzles. Uh, and that was probably one of the best gaming experiences I've had in, I, I don't know, even like 10 years or something like that. Um, it's the type of game that I still think about quite frequently and is still sort of etched into my memory. Um, so yeah, that, that's why it was my favorite game of the year. And if I'm not mistaken, I think the single player expansion comes out in a few weeks, right? By the end of the year? I think, I think it's pretty close. So I I think that'll give me finally an excuse to go back into the game and, uh, finish it. Cause as I've told you before, Brad, I, I kind of, I don't want to beat it because I'm worried that I'll never go back to the game. Um, and also because I don't like the last, uh, uh, the battle with Ganon and going through Ganon's uh, castle. I wasn't having a good time with that. Um, but yeah, I, I still haven't finished it, even though I've logged something crazy, uh, like 150 hours in the game, which is a lot for me. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to to the expansion when it comes out. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's a that's a really great starting point. Uh, Brad, you had a pretty great choice Uh for once in the history of mobile, uh, the Syrupcast, I should say, we actually prepared and talked about what we were going to talk before <laughs> <laughs> before we sat down. Um, so you had a couple interesting choices as well. Yeah. Uh, so my favorite game of the year uh, is Persona 5. Uh, it's been that way for a while, even though there's been a lot of great games that have come out since. Um, mm-hmm. It's. I've always been a big fan of JRPGs. Uh, Final Fantasy is my favorite series, but I feel like that series has kind of tapered off in the last several years. I haven't really been attached to a lot of the more recent entries, so Persona has really been that breath of fresh air in the genre for me. And uh, this game was just fantastic. I mean, if you don't, if no one's not really familiar with uh, Persona games, they're kind of like uh, social simulators. Um, I mean, there's a deep JRPG mechanics, like turn-based uh, style combat, but the heart of the game is really living out your life as a Japanese teenager and going to school. And there's these really great systems. In this game, they're called confidants. In other games, they were social links, where you basically can spend more time with the in-game characters and get to know them better. And they're really well-written, and you really feel attached to these characters. They touch on very interesting themes, like one of the... Without it getting into particular spoilers, uh, one of the party members, uh, she's got a lot of social anxiety and she's very afraid to leave the house. And your uh, time with her during the, you're leveling up the confidant because they go up by uh, levels up to 10. 
each level of the confidant is basically uh, going out with her and helping her get exposure and, you know, trying to deal with her anxiety and meeting other people outside. So it's like, it's really socially relevant and it's really well written. Uh, other cases, like you can have uh, romances with other characters and one of them, some of them can be with your teachers, which uh, in some Japanese games that might be, <laughs> that might be played off in a, you know, a more of a comedic way or um, whatnot. But in this game, they actually like ponder on the, the, the moral, uh, uh, quandaries with that like the the teachers actually like question like is this right like should i really be doing this with a student uh so it's actually really fascinating uh, how they write all their characters i'm i'm just disappointed that you didn't mention the best social link which is japanese bernie sanders um so <laughs> I don't remember if you, his name to be honest uh, I, I don't remember his name yeah, oh I, that's uh, your daily reminder that Hewitt is a special guest on the Zero <laughs> Um Yeah, I actually maxed out that that confidant rank too. Yeah, he's a basically a disgraced politician uh, that no one really trusts anymore. But he was actually framed for, I believe it was like collusion or something like that. And he teaches you how to uh, express yourself more eloquently, and in turn, you help him like promote himself and regain stature in the political space. Uh, which it brings up an interesting point because. Uh, unintentionally of course uh i mean because this game originally came out in 2016 but it's very timely this year because the game is all about social reform and like there's mm -hmm. a cast of uh teenagers that they have these abilities that they can go into this thing called the metaverse and uh which is basically like the collective conscious of japan and they can steal the hearts of criminals which essentially means they make them uh have an epiphany like oh i realized uh, you know i've been abusing people once they steal their heart they're like oh i'm a terrible person i need to confess my crimes so it's very interesting because uh throughout the game you'll you'll tackle like crime lords and uh abusive teachers and corrupt politicians and it's very relevant in 2017 with you know all the allegations coming out against people and whatnot uh so it's kind of unintentionally uh very relevant this game <laughs> Um, Dean, you also had a really interesting pick. Uh, do you want to tell us a bit about it? Yeah, um, it's also my favorite game of the year and my most surprising game of the year was um, Hellblade Senua's Sacrifice. And it was a game that really touched upon mental illness and um, having schizophrenia and all sorts of other mental disorders. And it... Throughout the gameplay, you, you play as this um, girl named Senua, and she experienced um, schizophrenia, and she has people talking to her throughout the whole game, and you don't really know like who to trust. You don't know if to, to trust the voices in her head or if you should be like if you should ignore them. Um, at some points in the game, the I found that the character, the voices will tell her to duck. Is it the kind of situation where you don't know what's real and what's fake? That kind of thing. You could kind of look at the whole game like that. Okay. Um, however, you're supposed to you're supposed to um, believe that this your the situation you're in is real. Oh, I see. Okay. Um, she's in. She's trying to get her loved one from basically the depths of hell, but in northern North Norse mythology, and you fight other you fight gods, um, Norse gods, and you're supposed to uh, believe that that is all real. However, um, throughout the game, she's you just hear these voices and they're bringing you down. They're telling you you're going the wrong way or 
they're telling you you're not good enough or you you let your husband you let your loved one die is this is all your fault and it's kind of sad because she's really like she's lonely throughout this whole game this is like a super depressing (laughs) game like incredibly depressing yeah you're 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 walking around this 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 empty world um like only things that are around you are things trying to kill you and they kind of come out of nowhere and you wonder if that's real um there's parts of the game as well where you're you're running away from fire and you like the fire isn't there and you know it's not there but if you touch it it will bring you alive um so it's really sad and it's um it's pretty touching i i i currently live with someone with uh, schizophrenia so it's kind of like um that's it's hard to imagine that's what people are really going through and um it's very lonely it shows how lonely she was and um through the whole game because there's these voices sure they're talking to you but they're not really there they're only in your head there's really just no one else around except for the other things trying to kill you it's interesting for a game to explore uh important and mature subject matter like that not, yeah. not the games don't do that more frequently but i mean mm. i don't i i can't think of another game that explores mental illness yeah yeah not definitely not mental illness uh, it was interesting reading about the development of that game because they they worked with a lot of like psychiatrists yeah yeah to, to be authentic oh, to get that good. authentic yeah. voice which is good um yeah dean would you say you know it's really easy i think for any kind of whether it's like a movie a book or a game for it to be kind of exploitive when it's dealing with that subject do you think it felt like it handled that with care and compassion i believe it did or it really tried to i i don't believe that it did anything particularly wrong i don't think it tried even to um not glorify it but i don't believe it tried to I don't want to put it. I was trying to make people like understand it. More. Yeah, I feel Is like it, I feel like it was trying to do that instead of just using it for a game. Okay, um, speaks it, to the strength of the medium. Yeah, you, know? uh, you could do a two-hour movie with someone who's mentally ill, but this is a game where you're in her shoes. So yeah, exactly. You're in her mm-hmm. shoes. You're you're trying to just go through this game. You're trying to just survive. There's a part of the game where it's, you it's you just can't see anything at all, and you're not sure like if it's just her head like are you you're not like is she actually just not being able to see anything or uh what's going on and she hears these noises and she if you get closer to these these growling noises you'll die but she's not actually sure if it's actually something trying to kill her if it's an actual enemy or if it's just a noise but you have to basically guide through this part of the level without seeing anything you just have to go by um hearing alone Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, I, I mean, I think I think it's fair to say, aside from you, Dean, none of us three have played it yet, despite the fact that we've all said we will play it at some point. <laughs> yeah. Which it's I think on, also. Oh, sorry, uh, I was just going to no, say it's actually uh, on sale right now because uh, the Game Awards is tonight. You know, the produced by Canadian journalist Jeff Keeley, they honor the best games of the year uh and mm-hmm. playstation store has a sale uh coinciding with the game awards and actually persona 5 is on sale i think half price uh senua sacri- sacrifice is also 25 percent off so i'm definitely gonna pick it up i remember reading you wrote about this game right yeah, I for wrote about it. Uh, this week in gaming column yeah. um and for those that don't know that's sort of like a 
it's usually console games that we cover and it's a, a weekly thing where we cover something that is the farthest removed from what mobile serve typically <laughs> writes about um and then that and that's console video games and we sort of focus on um one specific game every week and i remember reading your your column and i had never heard of that game and i had no interest in it when i heard the title because it's a pretty generic title but after reading the story i was like oh this is this is actually pretty cool. This is something I think I would I would likely enjoy. Yeah, there's some downfalls of the game, like the fighting's repetitive. I found. Um, I remember is, you writing that. Yeah. But um, you eventually just learn to trust the voices. Yeah, that's fair. Um, until the end, I believe, when it was kind of like maybe I shouldn't have trusted those voices. <laughs> yeah. Do we want to quickly name like I I know we came up with with three games. Do we want to just totally. quickly like name off the other games that we had on our list? Yeah, I'd love to hear those. Uh, so the the second game on my list, which um, anyone who knows me probably isn't surprised by, is Splatoon Two. Um, I really like the first Splatoon. Splatoon Two is essentially the same game as the first Splatoon, just not on the Wii U. It's on the Switch, um, mm-hmm. which I find a very compelling system because I'm able to just pick it up and play whenever I want. Uh, and I played Splatoon Two a crazy amount when it first came out, probably for the first month and a half to two months. Um, and I haven't touched it since, just because other stuffs come out. But it's probably one of my favorite uh third person shooters um Mm -hmm. and then my third favorite game is destiny 2 uh and that's more just because i was i was kind of surprised by it i enjoyed the first destiny um but i wasn't super into it i thought that the plot wasn't very interesting mechanically the game was great um but what surprised me the most about destiny 2 is how much i've enjoyed the multiplayer i think it's the first time that i've played a first person shooter in I don't even know, probably since Halo 3, that I've I've really, really, really enjoyed the multiplayer. And I think that that's partially because the game um, has a lot in common with, with Halo 3. There's, there's team shooting, there's a, a huge emphasis on working together um, with other players in the game, making sure that you're both sort of uh, always aiming for the same enemy at the same time. Um, and I think that that's something that's sort of disappeared from the shooter genre uh, with the rise of Call of Duty. So it was kind of, it was nice to see a return to that. Um, and I know there's tons of problems with the game, the plot still isn't that interesting. Um, the level design is better than the first Destiny, but it still gets repetitive. And then there was the controversy over um, the experience stuff. Um, but I, I've really enjoyed the game, and I think part of that's just because I play it more casually than some players. I still find mm. that there's a lot uh, available for me to do in it, even though I, I dip my toe into it probably for just a couple hours every week. Uh, Brad and Dean, did you want to read out your or talk about your other two choices? Yeah, for sure. Uh, so my second pick would would be Wolfenstein 2, The New Colossus. Um, I really enjoyed the first game. It came out in 2014. Uh, it was kind of cross-generational, so it was kind of held back between uh, by being on PS3 and PS uh, and 360, but this game is solely for PS4, Xbox One, and PC, and it's just it's a really surprisingly poignant story about, uh, you know, the Nazis won World War II, uh, and they took over, and at the end of the first game, uh, spoilers, um, the oh, protagonist, no. uh, BJ Blazkowicz, you know, he's very, he's like mortally wounded, and they save him, but he has to use like this exosuit to live, and so he knows he's on borrowed time uh, while he's like fighting to create this new world for his wife, um, who's carrying his twins, and every time he goes out, he's like waxing poetic about you know, give me strength to go on. And uh, <laughs> it's it's really a breath of fresh air in a shooter genre, you know, where most uh, protagonists are just these badass heroes. And he's no doubt badass, but, you know, there's a, a lot of layers to him. Uh, he's got a lot of good one-liners, too. Yeah, like, I mean, 
it's obviously a very dark game. They do have uh, take time to have some fun with it, but uh, yeah, they have like a lot of great flashbacks without going to spoilers uh, about his uh, childhood and how abusive his father was, and uh, his mother was Jewish, so she uh, you know had to face that persecution. And oh, I forgot about it's that. Just a, and his dad was a complete racist bigot uh, person, you know, Nazi supporter. So. It's just it was a fantastic uh, story, and the gameplay was fun too. You know, uh, it's it's very hard. Uh, that sparked a bit of controversy over the difficulty of that game, uh, but it's just really satisfying ultimately to you know go around and uh, kill Nazis. So. <laughs> and uh, my third pick would be uh, Middle Earth: Shadow of War. Um, admittedly, I actually haven't finished the game yet. I'm probably about three quarters through because it's just it's so dense. There's a lot more content than in the first game, which was Shadow of War. Another you know cross-generational game so again this game isn't held back by previous generation hardware so they went all out um like in the pre uh, the, the highlight of the first game for sure was the nemesis system where basically enemies that beat you or you beat them like they'd remember you and there's like a hierarchy of enemies like captains and generals and war chiefs etc in this game they just dial it to 11 so you're conquering like entire fortresses and commanding entire armies and they have hundreds of orcs on screen at once and you can control dragons and uh it's one of the few uh 4k uh true 4k games on xbox one x so it looks absolutely beautiful and it just it's the ultimate power fantasy like you know you have you're literally like killing hundreds and hundreds of orcs and they're not laying a finger on you and it's just like the ultimate uh like you just feel like a complete badass uh the game kind of plays very loose with uh lord of the rings mythology so if you're a diehard tolkien fan you might take issue with that uh it does kind of feel like fan fiction at times but if you can look past the story inconsistencies it's like an amazing game i need to give wolfenstein another chance i think um i like the plot and i like the setting and i love the idea of alternative uh, alternate not alternative alternate history i've read a lot of books that kind of deal with that subject matter um but the 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 few the opening levels where you're on the the Mm u-boat they just didn't resonate me with I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Me and got very frustrating, but I think that might've been because I was trying to play it on the, the like standard difficulty. Yeah. I think I needed to turn it down a little bit. I actually, admittedly, I did have to sometimes lower the difficulty for one combat yeah. scenario and then put it back up, I which think, is fine. There's no shame. In that. I think I'm probably going to lower it and keep it down. Yeah. Um, and I'll, have a much better time with the game i think i'll also enjoy it more once i'm out of that sort of u-boat area that just like setting didn't didn't appeal to me but i i agree with everything everything else you said about the game for Uh, me uh not to go into a whole tangent but i liked the the difficulty because it made it feel more tense and it fit with the idea that you know the nazis have taken over everything like i mentioned in my review like it made stealth feel all that more rewarding because once they spotted me sure i could take them all out but it was a lot more challenging so it felt all the more satisfying to you know find that Nazi commander and take him out first before he could raise an alarm. So it made stealth feel all that more meaningful. Yeah, that's fair. Speaking of difficulty, um, my... (laughs) What a segue. Yeah. My (laughs) second was, I think it was Neo. Um, It was super challenging. It was, it's kind of like Dark Souls. It's like a Soulsborne game. 
um, set in um, feudal Japan, and it is so hard. Um, I found it so completely challenging trying to defeat all the different enemies, any enemy types, and learning how to play the game because there was it's it is kind of different from Bloodborne. It's with, a lot faster and more yeah, combo driven. Exactly, it's very combo yeah. driven and. I at first I I struggled with it for so long before I finally decided like no way like I'm better than this <laughs> I learned how to like to really start playing it, um, but it was very cool just using the they have I don't remember what they call them because I I have the oni yeah yeah when you like kind of like superpower up oh yeah 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 uh, which I thought was very cool and flashy um, still I haven't beaten the game unfortunately because it is very challenging I defeated one of the I think the middle bosses and I was just like can you take a break I got about halfway through too yeah. I, I remember that game very fondly because it was my first this week in gaming for mobile therapy yeah I, I read it <laughs> yeah. I only actually I purchased the game um, after reading um, Brad's hey. review uh, I was like yeah I'll, I'll give this a try um, but yeah it was, it was a fun game um, and then my third one is horizon zero dawn um which pat reviewed i really liked it it, it didn't make my list um because it kind of i was super into it and then breath of the wild came out and i forgot yeah. it, i forgot it existed <laughs> like everybody else yeah it came out on the tuesday and then the switch and zelda came out on the friday the same week exactly yeah. <laughs> but it, it was a lot of like i had a lot of fun with that game and i didn't expect to so yeah i'm, I'm glad it's getting some recognition on this prestigious <laughs> podcast it was just it was beautiful there is you thought you could take down these um, mechanic Tyrannosaurus Rex which I literally started hunting because I was just like no what I want to kill them all and you have to experiment too like yeah. figure the game doesn't tell you what to do much in the same way as Breath of the Wild you kind of have to figure stuff out on your yeah. own figure um, out what traps work figure out what weapons work or yeah things, and there's different elements. ways there's different ways that you can take down both enemies too yeah uh, there's so many ways to tackle literally everything in that game um, which I th- found very uh, attractive about it. Yeah, um, they did a great job with bow combat. Like that's something yeah. that feels really good in games when it's done right. Uh, and yeah, that game. There's so many yeah. traps and things you can do with the bows. And I, I, my one of my favorite things was definitely when I took off a piece of weaponry off a giant yeah. uh, mechanic dinosaur, mm-hmm. and I, I remember the used first time it I back that. at them, and I was just like, "Yeah, that's die!" Awesome. Yeah. Um, of and course, it, the story was good as well, and it. Aloy herself was a very good character. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Um, she was she was a strong protagonist. She was in um, female, which was also something that I I typically do not um, find. Like, I don't find like a lot of my games um, use utilize like a female star, other than I guess Sanwa's Sacrifice. Huh. Maybe there's a pattern, um, but yeah, it was great. Enjoyed it. Um, so we're. A bit short on time, so I'm just going to quickly list off uh, my favorites, and then we're going to go into the last question, which is, what was the most surprising game uh, you found this year? Um, and, but before that, I just wanted to point out, uh, like Brad said, uh, PlayStation is having a sale in honor of the Game Awards, but so is Steam. And so you can get a couple of the games, if you're a PC gamer like myself, you can get a couple of the games we mentioned today uh, for a pretty amazing discount like uh, i'm just looking now wolfenstein 2 is 50 percent off oh, this is awesome. like a brand new game yeah. so you can get it for 40 dollars instead of 80 and yeah games are getting really expensive in canada um you can get neo which uh that's n-i-o-h which dean just mentioned it's 20 percent off it just uh, got to 
PC. It's the complete edition. It is $45.59. Uh, and all these prices are in Canadian dollars. Um, you have a couple other other uh, games there. Um, one of the ones I was going to mention is Prey. Um, it so is uh, $24.99 instead of $49.99. Um, and is there anything else? Um, there are a couple other games there. In any case, um, you can read through the reviews, uh, either on Mobile Syrup or on Steam itself, uh, to see whether people recommend it. Uh, one of the games that I think Pat really liked, it wasn't released this year, but it just came out on VR. It's called Super Shot. Or super hot, excuse yep, me. And uh, super super hot is if you have a VR headset, it is wild. It's, so um, it's, it's like the Matrix. The, it's one of the best, um, one of the marquee games that's really good at showing off what VR uh, is capable of doing in the video game space. Yeah. Um, so I guess I can start the most surprising one uh, category, and I'll start with it's a game that's actually on sale uh, through Steam. It's called Hollow Knight. Um, this is a game that I just kind of. It was on sale during the summer sale, which is, if you don't know Steam, every summer they have this wild sale where basically everything is on sale, deeply discounted. And I just saw this game. It was on the top seller list. Um, The art style, um, what's interesting about this game is that minus the composer, it was made by three people. And you would never be able to tell that by the kind of production value and the content that's in this game. It is uh, you can get it now for like a mere $11.21. That is so much value because there's, awesome. this game is so expansive and there's so it's so well-crafted. Check out the, if at the very least, if you just enjoy music and specifically kind of like classical piano music, it has a really beautiful soundtrack. Uh, but from a gameplay perspective, it kind of plays like my two favorite genres. So earlier in the, in the discussion, um, Dean mentioned... Uh, Neo and specifically a genre of gaming called Soulsborne and that is kind of harkening back to a a game called Dark Souls. Dark Souls is this very kind of, it's like this action game um, where you control a character from a third person perspective and in order, like infamously somewhat, it is really difficult in the sense that you have to be really precise. The same is true of Hollow Knight. Um, It's kind of from a 2D um, perspective where you, you know, you see your uh, character moving from side to side on the screen, uh, but you still have to be very precise. Not as precise as you have to be in uh, Dark Souls, nor is it as hard. Um, and then it combines this uh, genre, which is called Metrovania, which is is uh, in reference to Super Metroid. Um, so you're given this huge world to explore, and you kind of start getting more tools. And as you get more so- tools, more of the world opens up to you. And neither of these, like, these are genres that are at this point, like, game styles that are really old. And yet, it's kind of finds this perfect blend in this game and gives you this really beautiful world. The Hollow Knight, he's a bug, and you're going to this bug kingdom. And, like, I personally hate bugs, but, and there's this, like, really one wonderful part of the world where it's called, I think, the um, Hollow Nest. And going through this part of the world... I felt my whole body itching just because you're moving through this like really dark, these really dark tunnels and you see all these like uh, centipedes and stuff squirming their way through the tunnels. Um, It's just, if you have like any kind of bug phobia, it it might take you a while to get through this level, but it really speaks to how like amazingly crafted this game is. As I said, the music is beautiful. The art style is beautiful. The gameplay is top notch. 
If you want to uh, listen to a really great like kind of review of it, uh, there's this YouTuber. His name's Joseph Anderson. He's really articulate, uh, and he has a really, if you don't mind watching a 45-minute video, obviously that's not for everyone, um, but he kind of really articulates in the first five to ten minutes what this game does so well in spades. Uh, so that was my surprising, most surprising game. I think it's my most favorite game of the year. And it's something that like I had no idea what was I getting into when I bought it, and I've enjoyed like literally every second of it. Um, so, Pat, do you want to continue for us? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, the, the game that surprised me uh, was Mario plus Rabbit Kingdom Battle. Uh, I expected nothing out of that game. I didn't even really want to play it when a code randomly <laughs> landed in my inbox. Everyone uh, was down on that game when it leaked. Yeah, I, I was too. I thought it was ridiculous looking. Um, and a lot of people described it as, I mean, XCOM for babies, which I, I guess to some extent it is. But I actually appreciated that about it. I, it was kind of a, re, a return for me to a genre that I had a lot of fun with when I was younger and had more time. Um, and that's the the sort of turn-based strategy genre. Uh, but it, I would say that the game removed a lot of the, um, not unnecessary, but aspects of that genre that I'm not interested in being uh, included in a game anymore. And it kind of stripped those back. And it, at its very core, it was just this strange bizarre partnership between uh, ubisoft and nintendo um to make this real-time strategy game that was simple but not quite as simple as everyone expected but also not quite as complicated as XCOM. so um i expected nothing from that game and i i think i'm almost done it i'm on one of the last missions uh yeah it's a great game. For yeah you. for me i never beat <laughs> games never ever that's awesome uh, I should mention with Hollow Knight, it's coming to the Switch. Uh, so if you don't, oh, cool. you, honestly, with Hollow Knight, you can run it with a potato. But um, <laughs> if you're just more like Pat and just enjoy playing on something like a Switch and, you know, all the time you have to play is when you're commuting, uh, then in the new year, it's coming there. That's awesome. Uh, Dean, do you want to continue for us? Um, so I already, uh, I already said my surprising game. It was also Hellblade. I can oh, go okay. into my oh, okay, disappointing okay. quickly and say my most disappointing game of the year was Absolver. Sure, sure. Um, Absolver is this game that was, I believe it's for PC and PS4. And you mm-hmm. kind of go around um, slowly just fighting people hand-to-hand, mostly hand-to-hand combat. It had a very unique fighting style. You had to use your, like directional like your analog sticks in very weird ways and you don't really use any of the buttons to fight um you can dodge and it it was pretty fun at first um until i just got i got pretty into it until my game just got corrupted and i was just i was just like okay um well what and apparently it was just this big bug that just just happened to so many people that mm-hmm. everyone's games was just corrupted and you'd have to restart um so that's why it was just super disappointing for me Brad. yeah that's really unfortunate yeah yeah, yeah my <laughs> most surprising was uh resident evil 7 um pat and i did a double byline this week in gaming on it uh early in the year but uh i didn't you know a, a lot of people were kind of down on resident evil uh like four was amazing but five and six lost the plot for a lot of people you know it was they lost the idea of being actual survival horror and became like generic action games and that kind of lost the whole point of the of what resident evil is uh so when they announced seven um it was very much a return to roots uh you know it's 
not in a mansion, but it's in like a haunted house, essentially. Uh, it's a lot of callbacks to the original game. And it was just scary. Like, I mean, I'm not a huge horror fan, but I always appreciated Resident Evil. And uh, the big thing for me with Resident Evil 7 was it was fully playable in PlayStation VR. Because uh, what sold me on VR in the first place, uh, kind of bringing it all full circle, was I played the kitchen demo at uh, Fan Expo in Toronto. And the kitchen was later revealed to be part of Resident Evil 7. Uh, and just seeing, like, the atmosphere and how much uh, horror is heightened by VR... Uh, like it was, it's one of the defining VR games for sure. Uh, and it's, but it's great even if you don't play it in VR. So that was definitely the most surprising game of the year for me. Awesome. Um, any shout outs this week, guys? So my shout out is to a mobile game that just came out, um, today, uh, called mm-hmm. Reigns, 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 Her Majesty. It's a sequel to the original Reigns. Um, and it's just this. The, the, a very very simple game um you swipe left or right and you you make decisions um but in, in this particular title you're taking on the role of a queen instead of a king and the interesting dynamics that that sort of leads to um like i mean for example i i, I was uh i was telling dean and brad about this earlier I, I was trying to play the game in the same way that i played the first reigns and that just wasn't working <laughs> because um, there's just different things you need to be aware of um, as a queen. So it's fascinating to put that into into perspective and to, to see how the two different games play because um, I, I was doing a great job and uh, then my husband locked me away in a tower until I died. So <laughs> I, it really didn't matter if I did a good job or a bad job. I was just screwed either way, um, which is which is interesting. And it's not a Switch Minute. so that's- it's, not, it's not a Switch Minute this week, um, but it is from... A developer called Nereal. Uh, I don't know what other uh, other games they they make, but I mean, the first Reigns was awesome, um, and I've only played this one for probably about a half hour or something on my commute this morning. But uh, I had a good time with it, and it's an educational game, I guess. Uh, I I mean, I can't wait to try it. Uh, <laughs> it sounds awesome. It's great. Uh, Brad, what do you have for us? Uh, my shout out is uh, a video game book to, to kind of go with uh, the theme here. Uh, it's called Significant Zero. Uh, it's written by Walt mm-hmm. Williams. Uh, he is best known for writing or co-writing uh, Spec Ops The Line, which is a criminally underrated game from the last generation. Uh, it's basically mm-hmm. Heart of Darkness, but in modern Dubai. Uh, and it was the first shooter pretty much to question what you're doing. Like Call of Duty and those kind of games, as good as they are, like, you know, they're all about like making you feel like a badass. But this game, you know, would make you feel terrible for what you did through the gameplay actions. But anyways, it was a fantastic game, and he basically has a very fascinating story uh, about how he got into the games industry. Uh, without going into it in too much detail, you know, he, he knew someone in, in uh, school that he reached out to, and he just happened to get a job at 2K Games, and, that's, and he worked on the original Bioshock with uh, Ken Levine, the writer-director of that series, and he worked on a bunch of other 2K games like Mafia and Civ. And it's just mm-hmm. a fascinating uh, story about game development, uh, particularly from someone who didn't really have any experience beforehand, uh, kind of going in. Uh, mm-hmm. And yeah, it's just a really good read. I've just added this to my uh, wish list because as soon as you said the writer of Spec Ops The Line, I was like, yep, <laughs> this is something I want to read. Yeah, it sounds great. Uh, Dean? My um, shout out's just, I guess, to uh, PlayStation for just having so many good games come out this year for that console. Um, if you notice, all three of my choices were at least console exclusive to Sony. Um, yeah, so it's a great year for gaming. 
it's worth noting that this weekend Sony has its PlayStation experience uh, in Anaheim. Uh, so they don't really have a keynote presentation this year, but you'll get to see panels from like The Last of Us and Uncharted and stuff like that. Cool. Cool. Um, my shout out goes to our uh, dear Rose. She is in Hawaii, which is Sounds terrible, I know. Uh, but <laughs> she's not been there for vacation. She is there for at the Qualcomm Summit, and she's been, you know, just churning out those articles. Um, if you have been following, um, and I don't blame you, just because, uh, you know, reading her article yesterday about what's new with the 845 is, I don't know if I could get too excited about it. But nonetheless, she's done an amazing job of kind of contextualizing it. And really putting it, like, why is it significant? Um, it's and a powerful doing, processor. <laughs> it is the, the most powerful processor ever released. Surprise! Yeah. It's a surprise, right? Um, so, yeah, check out the work she's been doing in Hawaii. It's fantastic. Um, and But we're excited to have her back next week because uh, then we can uh, talk about more mobile stuff. Um so we got a couple of reader questions, and we're not going to read them next uh, this week. We will get to them next week, but I just did want to thank everyone who sent them in um, in the past week. Um, thank you so much. I guess the question last week about which phone to recommend after going from the uh, or going from the S4 to something new really sparked people's interest. Um, so great questions all around. Um, I want to thank you guys for. Uh, you know, thinking, coming to the podcast and talking. Um, if you want to follow Mobile Syrup, or excuse me, if you want to send us a question or a comment, you can do so through um, podcast at mobilesyrup.com. Um, in the next couple of weeks, uh, we're going to have some more kind of this year-end stuff. So one of the things we've been thinking about is, uh, you know, what were your favorite phones from this past year? What was the best phone from this past year? What was the most disappointing phone? Uh, we're also going to be talking about the future of Freedom Mobile. So if you have any like questions related to those topics, please make sure to send them. And I know I always promise this, but we definitely will have um, a post that I'll put up where you can just kind of comment to make it easier. Uh, if you want to follow, follow Mobile Syrup on social media, you can do so on Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, uh, Google+, if you still use Google+. And I know I make that joke every single time. Is there anything I'm missing, Pat? No, I think that's it. We don't, I, it's not even really worth noting, but we don't really use Snapchat anymore. It's mostly just Instagram for for, uh, for yeah. the most part. Yeah, so definitely follow us on Instagram at the very least. Yeah, we, uh, and, we do post a lot of stuff on Instagram now. Uh, and that is just at Mobile Syrup, uh, whether it's Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Um, where can people find you guys? You can find me on Twitter, probably complaining about something, um, at, at Patrick underscore O'Rourke. You have quite a few great hot takes. I do. I am the master of hot takes. Um, I'm at Brad Shankar, uh, B-R-A-D-S-H-A-N-K-A-R. I actually had to look this up because I could never remember it. <laughs> you made this joke last time. <laughs> it's not even a joke. It's real. He just doesn't know what his Twitter handle is. But it is at DeanCW. Um, I always remember underscore. it because I, I thought you were a big fan of the CW network. <laughs> yeah. When when Ian was gonna bring you on as an intern, I remember looking up your Twitter account, and I thought that was why too. Yeah, you're a big yeah. fan of the CW. It's it's just my initials. Yeah. Cool, well, good to know. I'm glad I know now. Um, and you can find me at Igor Bonifacic. That's I G O R B O N I F A C I C. Um, as usual, this week's podcast was produced by the wonderful Robin, and uh, you might have heard her wonderful assistant, uh, Hewitt. Uh, please give Hewitt a follow on Instagram. She is the cutest dog ever. 
uh, and we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye. It's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.